Hey folks, this podcast goes beyond the saddle as we explore professional careers across the equine industry. I'm your host, Katie Kleinbell. Let's tack up and head out. Christy Landwehr has been active in the horse industry for over 35 years. Hunter jumper, dressage, side saddle, western pleasure, hunter pleasure, barrel racing, endurance riding, and saddle seat equitation are just some of the disciplines Christy has competed in at the local, regional, and national levels in multiple breeds. Not only that, she's been teaching children and adults how to ride for over 30 years. Christy is a master level riding instructor and the equine facility manager through the Certified Horsemanship Association, or CHA, and has taught students in 4-H and Pony Club. She is past president of the American Youth Horse Council and past board member of the Colorado Horse Council. She also founded, competed on, and coached the University of Colorado at Boulder Intercollegiate Horse Show Association equestrian team. Christy is an AQHA and APHA professional horseman, and she is on the AQHA National Marketing Committee. Christy sits on the Colorado State University Equine Sciences Advisory Board and the Interscholastic Equestrian Association Board. With an undergraduate degree in public relations and speech communication from California State University Fullerton and a graduate degree in mass communication and journalism from CU Boulder, Christy has vast experience in marketing and business. She was the sponsorship and youth programs manager for the Arabian Horse Association, a trainer for Skill Path Seminars, and the development director for the Urban Farm that works with at-risk youth in Denver. Currently, she's the chief executive officer for the Certified Horsemanship Association, which is a nonprofit 501c3 association whose purpose is to promote excellence and safety throughout the equine industry. She's also a certifier and a site accreditor for the organization. Christy does facilitation and mediation through her company, CJL Training Incorporated, and she is Real Colors personality trainer. She's spoken at numerous equine events and breed and dif- discipline conventions throughout her career, and today she's here to talk to us. Thank you so much for joining us today, Christy. We're excited to have you. You are so welcome, Katie. I'm excited to be here. Can you give us a synopsis of what it is that you do and what your job is? So I decided let's do the admin side of the horse industry for a while. Plus, I still teach riding, too, so I kind of do both. But my current position that takes up most of my time is I'm Chief Executive Officer for the Certified Horsemanship Association. And we are the largest certifying body of equine professionals in North America. And I was their marketing director, um, so I did a lot of the marketing type of things for them, social media, websites, sponsors, advertisers, things like that. And then I was uh, promoted to their CEO. So now I do a lot of board development and, you know, lovely QuickBooks, which isn't always the most exciting thing to do, but that's part of what I do. Um, So a wide variety of those things, and I travel a bunch for the organization, um, going and giving speeches and doing certifications and things like that. That sounds fun. You get the whole gamut of all of the things from the business side to the travel side. I think that's kind of the sweet spot of where a lot of people aim to be. Yeah, I'm really happy. I actually get to work out of a home office. Um, We're based in Lexington, Kentucky, but I live here in Denver, Colorado. So I'm able to be really close to the Denver International Airport if I have to hop on and do something by airplane. Otherwise, I get to be in my sweats every day, Katie. That's kind of nice. Absolutely. Oh, you got to love that. (laughs) Definitely. Where are some of the places that you might typically travel? You know, I go to Lexington, of course, so that's where our office is located. Um, And then I go to every single breed association convention, pretty much. So the Arabians are having theirs this weekend in Tulsa. Um, Quarter Horse is having theirs next March in Vegas. 
Uh, Paint has theirs quite often in Fort Worth. So I do that quite a bit. Um, I also put on our big annual meeting, our big international conference. It was in Houghton College in Houghton, New York. Uh, this past um, couple of weeks ago, and next year we're going to be at Texas A&M in College Station, and the year before that we were at Colorado State University in Fort Collins, Colorado. So that particular meeting travels around quite a bit, and I'm the coordinator for it. But I do a lot of speaking, like at Equine Affair and um, other types of sports events that go on around the country as well. That's amazing. You get to go pretty much everywhere and get a little flavor of all the different great places that the horse industry takes you. Yeah, I feel lucky. You know, we're all breed, all discipline. We don't believe that there's any breed that makes a bad school horse. We've all ridden a bunch of different breeds and have gotten to where we are. And then we also don't believe that there's any bad discipline to start. You know, as long as you just start riding at some point, all the disciplines can take you down a wonderful journey. So because we're all breed, all discipline, yes, the door is open for me to kind of go anywhere. And that's been truly wonderful. I kind of grew up all breed, all discipline myself. Um, so I just really enjoy that aspect of my job. Well, let's talk more about what the Certified Horsemanship Association is, um, what it is that that association does for folks, um, and just give us kind of a flavor for those who may not know. So some of what we do is we are the, like I said, the largest certified body of equine professionals in North America. We've been doing this for 52 years. We started in 1967, so a really long time ago. Um, some of our certifications include our English and Western, where a person can come to a five-day certification and actually be certified in both English and Western, with or without jumping, all the way up from our assistant level, one, two, three, and four level. So if they've been teaching for a really long time, they could actually walk out of there with their master instructor, which is level four, four in both English and Western. If they're new on their journey and haven't been teaching for very long, they'll probably get assistant or level one and so on. So that's probably our largest. Then we have um, equine facility managers and that certification is for barn managers, everything from the stable worker who cleans the stalls, feeds the horses, who is so important, all the way up to the human resource person who does actually more office work and they know all the fabulous acronyms like I-9 and 1099 and W-2 and W-9. Um, and so that one is really growing for us. And then we do also have um, a driving certification, a vaulting certification, and then an instructors for riders with disabilities certification. And then the one that I find the most interesting that I am not one to do very often, um, but is actually the packing out into the wilderness trail guide certification. Wow. So you pack into the backcountry for five days and you do high line, picket line, um, hobbling, Dutch oven cooking, putting up a wall tent, all of that. And then we cite accredit equine facilities to help with insurance discounts. Uh, so that's another big part of what we do. And then we provide a lot of educational resources for people that aren't necessarily instructors and want to go ahead and be really involved in the educational side of things. So for that, we have a lot of manuals, uh, webinars, DVDs, and free videos, actually, to access through our website. Oh, my goodness. I mean, I knew you guys did a lot and covered so many different, you know, areas of the industry, but wow, that was a great summary of all the things. You really do touch just about every single part of the equine industry in this country. That's amazing. Thank you. And it's, it's you know, it's fun, too, because I often tell people, if I had my job over in Europe, I would actually be a government employee. 
because the British Horse Society and the German Equestrian Federation require by federal law that all of their equine professionals are certified and all of their barns are accredited. But it's a government entity that runs a bunch of those certifications and accreditations, whereas here it's very voluntary, right? Nobody has to be certified to be a farrier or an instructor or a trainer, and nobody has to have their facility accredited in order to be able to operate. Um, so we operate completely voluntary as a third-party entity to give you that extra layer of protection. And we also have the marketing. We create little mini websites for each of our members, too, to be able to have. So kind of a wide variety of things, all voluntary for the equine professional that's willing to come and do it. That's great. I did not know that that's how it was in Europe, um, but that's a, a great lens to put on it. Absolutely. For the necessity to have that here and to have people like you who are passionate about it and knowledgeable enough to bridge that gap and really bring the content to those who need it. Yes, and we're willing. You know, we have actually two marketing strategies, Katie. One is very much towards the equine professional to let them know about insurance discounts and other reasons why they should get certified or site accredited. And then the other half is letting the parents of children or the grandparents of their grandchildren or the beginner adult rider or intermediate rider to find someone near them that's been certified uh, to be able to teach them on school horses and then kind of help them on their journey instead of just Googling, you know, horseback riding instructor near me, and then you don't necessarily know what you get all the time. Sure. They can go to chainstructors.com and actually find someone near them, click on their digital badge, and see what disciplines they teach and what level they're certified in and those types of things. Can you speak to the volume, like how many folks you have certified, you know, so you could look in your state and are you going to find two? Or are you going to find several hundred? You know, what's kind of that look, what does that look like? Yeah, definitely. So we have, um, we've certified since our 52 years, 35,000 people. So that's quite a few. Um, at any given time, though, because of job changes and things like that, we have right around 3,000 that are current with us. And we are in every single state, including Alaska and Hawaii. And we are also in almost every province. Um, so up in Canada. So those are kind of the two main areas of which we have most of our membership. Our Canadian membership is actually about 15% now of our overall membership, and then 85 are in the U.S. Well, I'm going to have to go check it out, and I want to do a little experimenting of my own and <laughs> poke around on your website and find some different instructors in different areas. How fun. Do you have a common myth, maybe, that people might have about riding instructors, and can you bust it? The thing that came to my mind is I don't think we differentiate well in this country as they do in other countries between instructor, trainer, and coach. Not all riding instructors is the myth are also horse trainers, and not all horse trainers are riding instructors. And I think that there's a common misperception that we're both. And some people are. I mean, we absolutely have some people in our space that are both and do really well at both. But I think primarily you're one or the other, really good at one or the other. So I think a riding instructor, right, teaches the rider on a horse that's already trained, that's a school horse. Mm -hmm. And then the um, horse trainer is, of course, training the horse. And then a coach is that really high level where they're moving nuances of your body and they're really into the biomechanics and they're coaching people that are at world show level and those types. That is a great distinction between those three categories. That is awesome. I'm going to make a great little graphic to go on our social media that helps people understand that too, because you're right. That is very much people aren't aware. They use the words interchangeably because they don't know. So 
Thank you. That's perfect. Yes, thank you. Because I think, you know, a lot of us are called trainers. And I'll be honest with you, you know, we were just talking about people person. I'm so much of a people person. I really don't want to be alone with the horses all day. I want to be with people. So I would rather teach people up on the horses than be with a horse all day long every day myself. And then there's a lot of other people listening probably going, okay, she's crazy. I would much rather be with the horses all day and training them and working (laughs) with them and other people that I got to deal with. Uh, Right? So I think that that's a big differentiation between us. That's a great way to look at it. Oh, I love that. Well, let's talk a little bit about your journey so we can get kind of an idea. Now we've seen what CHA is, you know, and kind of how that puzzle piece fits in. But I know that you've had quite the road to get to where you are. So what was your journey? Um, Kind of starting with your education. And we don't, you don't have to give us every detail uh, as much as we'd love to hear all of it, but just sort of the high level, what was your road? So I grew up in Southern California in a town called Fullerton. And what's interesting about that is we had 26 mile of equestrian trail, but you had to cross two four and six lane highways to access them all on horseback. So at a really young age, I was part of the Fullerton Recreational Riders Board of Directors and we would go down to City Hall with all of our cowboy clothes on so they knew the horse folks were in town and we would kind of say, hey, you know, we really need a separate place for the mountain bikes to go because sometimes they come up and over the hill and they crash into us on our horses or gosh, we would really like it if you would put um, to cross a major road by the traffic light a button to stop the traffic so that then we don't have to mount and get off of our horses and back on them on the side of these busy roads, would that be okay? And they did. And so at a really young age, I was probably like 16, I was like, wow, I can influence government. And I can influence stuff that happens in the horse industry. This is pretty cool. And it was based on safety and those types of things. And um, I had had a horse that my parents um, got for me when I was 12, a little POA named Popcorn. And I hung out a shingle. And I called myself a riding instructor because family friends said, hey, can we come ride? And I'm like, yeah, for 10 bucks. I was always the entrepreneur. So pretty soon I'm charging 10 bucks an hour, then I'm charging 20 bucks an hour, and Super Popcorn just allowed me to do all this on him. It was great. And then I started working at Medieval Times in Buena Park, California as a stable wench. That was my official title on my paycheck. Oh my gosh. Stable wench. And I did that for um, quite a while. And that was really fun. Got to ride in the Tournament of Roses parade and do some things. And then I cleaned stalls for a lady up the road from my house that happened to have Arabian show horses. And she was very smart and said, hey, if we start going to all these horse shows, maybe your parents would pay half of the trainer's fee, half the hotel fee, half the shipping of the horse fee. And then she would ride in the amateur classes and I would ride in the youth classes. And I never even owned an Arabian. So before I knew it, I was actually riding with um, a lady named uh, Wendy Griffith at the time. She's now Wendy Potts, and I've known her for many, many years in the Arabian world. And I got to ride native costumes, show hacks, side saddles, saddle seat, Western pleasure, all the great things that Arabians do. And I got to go all the way up to the national level doing that. So that was pretty fabulous to be able to have that kind of background all before I even went to college. And then I was not going to do horses for a living. My whole goal was to be a TV news reporter. I wanted to be an anchor woman. So I went to Cal State Fullerton for speech and debate. And then I ended up coming out to Colorado for my master's degree at CU Boulder. And it was also in journalism and broadcast news. And then I literally worked for one year as a broadcast news journalist and said, yeah, this is not for me. Then I went, well, now what? Well, I had interned when I worked at CU Boulder for a magazine and a radio and a newspaper and a TV station. 
So I went back to the magazine of whom I had interned for, and it happened to be the Arabian Horse Association magazine. So I worked for the association for about four years. Um, I helped put on all their youth events at their youth nationals. I helped some with their magazine, and I did that for about four years. And I was able to become part of the American Youth Horse Council Board of Directors because of them and some other things, which was very useful to meet people. And then um, because of that, I ended up meeting Julie Goodnight. Some of you listening might know her. She was our past program director and also was um, one of our clinicians at Certified People. And she said, hey, why don't you get certified? And I go, eh, I don't really need to do that. And she goes, no, I think you need to do that. You know, you'll save some money on insurance. And I had coached the University of Colorado at Boulder's um, Intercollegiate Horse Show Association team, too. So I had done some of that. And I said, well, I guess I'll go to this thing and see what it's about. So I went and became certified and loved it. And then she said, hey, they've got a marketing director position open part-time. Do you want it? And I had been teaching riding lessons at an at-risk youth facility called the Urban Farm. So I said, yeah, their grant that was actually had hired me was expiring. So I wasn't going to have, you know, all that income soon. And I thought, well, instead of going back to teaching just on my own horses full time, maybe I could do something else. So she said, yeah, let's come and do the CHA thing. And I've been with Certified Horsemanship ever since. That's a great um, example of it really does help to know the people, to make the connections, um, to kind of rely on that, but also rely on what you know you can do, right? I mean, you went back back and forth a little bit and decided, I'm going to go with this magazine. Um, and that opened doors to Julie Goodnight and Julie Goodnight opened doors to CHA. So it is it is both, you know, it is knowing the people and knowing that you have the skills to back it up. Yes, the networking is huge in our industry. And I think it's huge in any industry. Uh, we really need to get out and handshake and meet people and look people in the eye and have lunch and have coffee and kind of do all that. I think that's huge. But then also, you know, keep learning yourself. Like because I'm in marketing, I'm constantly learning about social media stuff and, you know, what's the best thing to do now on Facebook or what's the best thing to do now on Instagram or whatever. So we're also constantly learning. And I'm also dabbling a little bit in facilitation and mediation. I really enjoy that. I enjoy making groups happy. So I enjoy going in and helping with those things. I became a real colors trainer, which is um, similar to like the MBTI or something like that, but it's um, based on colors with personalities. And that's just been really fun to do some of that side facilitation too. I really enjoyed that as well. Well, you are involved and have been involved in a plethora of committees and boards and different organizations. Can you talk a little bit about how important that was for you and that recommendation to others? Yes. Anyone listening, you know, I do a lot of going and talking at capstone classes, either via Skype or Zoom, or they have me come, like if it's here in Colorado. And what I tell all the graduating seniors getting their bachelor's degree is you've got to do this and even though it's voluntary and you're like oh my gosh it's going to take my time you will meet so many people so I currently sit on the Interscholastic Equestrian Association board really enjoy that work has met a lot of people I'm part of the American Quarter Horse Association marketing committee I'm an AQHA and an APHA Paint Horse Association professional horseman and I help on their committees um, and that American Youth Horse Council board that I sat on when I worked for Arabians is how I met Julie Goodnight and how I got my current job. 
So I just highly recommend being parts of committees and boards and contributing and giving back to the industry you love in that way. It'll help the industry, but quite frankly, it'll probably help you too. Absolutely. Well, and it, it just opens those doors and strengthens the connections. And maybe if it doesn't go anywhere, that's okay, but you've got the experience under your belt along the way. What's next for you? What are you hoping to learn? Sounds like you're always craving and hungry and trying to perfect social media and all of that. So what's on your horizon? Well, I'll tell you, you know, I got that master's degree and I always think to myself, I need to utilize that thing more. So I did start teaching part-time at the Community College of Aurora. I only teach on occasional Saturdays, but I do a how to do PowerPoint presentations effectively class for them. And I really like that. I really like utilizing my master's degree to be a professor um, at the college level. So I don't know, maybe a little bit more teaching at the college or university level is kind of fun. Um, I think, like I said earlier, that facilitation and mediation work, I think I want to do more of that. So those, those types of things I think I'll still dabble in while I continue to still work for CHA. You know, people laugh, they go, you're not bored yet at CHA? I go, oh no, because it's always changing, right? Because we're all read all discipline, we can constantly change it and do different things. So I'm definitely still a big part of this organization, too, and it's been a fun journey watching it grow. Well, if you could turn back time and talk to, you know, your freshman college self, what's the advice that you would give? I absolutely love this question. You cracked me up, but it would be contribute to a 401k plan. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Everybody listening, you've got to retire, and you don't think about it until you've got to think about it. And then you go, huh, I don't know if I'm ever going to get to retire. <laughs> so, yes, I, and that sounds really boring, but it's really important, right, to be oh, able yeah. to think about not having to work all the way until we're done, but having an opportunity to be retired, and if we have grandkids one day, enjoy them, and be able to go on trips with our families, you know, while we're so physically and mentally able to do so. So, yeah, even though that might sound really boring, Katie, contribute to a 401k plan or some sort of a retirement plan early, because it will compound. Compound interest is a real deal. And you will actually end up doing all right, even when there's dips and valleys in the market. So I guess that would be my two cents to myself. We are adulting today with Christy. <laughs> Thank you for that. That's awesome. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Very boring, I know, but sorry. <laughs> no, it, that's so useful, though. And it's something that people don't want to talk about or think about necessarily, especially not when they're like heading into college or starting their very first career. You know, you get so excited and you're all wrapped up in the fun of it. And you forget those really practical things that you will thank yourself for later. Yes, just put a little bit away, all every paycheck, and you'll be so surprised how much it grows. Well, let's take um, a different lens on that question. So what advice do you have for anyone that's looking to get into the equine industry as a professional? So a couple things I thought about when I looked at this question. The first thing is, you know, most of us, are very enamored with the being with the horses every day part, right? So the true hands-on boots on the ground part and do it. I mean, it's absolutely fabulous to do it. But just know that over time, the weather will take its toll on you. Your body will not hold up like it does when you're in your 20s and 30s. You will start to get shin splints. You will start to get lower back pain. You will start to get all kinds of interesting things that happen as you age. So just have a backup plan for when you don't want to manage that boarding barn anymore and when you don't want to train all those horses anymore and when you don't want to teach hours and hours and hours of riding lessons anymore. Have a backup plan where you can get into either the admin side like I've chosen to or the podcasting side, Katie, like you've chosen to. Have some sort of a climate-controlled 
going to make my body not be in as much pain solution to not have to always think, oh, my gosh, I've got to teach the next lesson when I'm now 65, right? Because I think that that is just, you can still be a big part of the horse industry and be indoors. And you can still be a big part of the horse industry and not have to have that wear and tear on your body 40 to 50 to 60 hours a week, but you can do that part-time and then do the indoor side of our industry as well. Gosh, Christy, I feel like you're speaking right to my heart. (laughs) That's the transition that I'm making right now is, yeah, going from training and teaching lessons of my own to now, you know, working in an office and still being involved in the equine industry. And I agree with you. I think, I think this is just as much fun, but like you, I also really like the people and interacting with them. So, but that's such a good lens to have on it and such good perspective. Thank you. Well, let's talk horses. Um, I know you've got so many moments to choose from, um, just from like your opening when you were talking about all the places you've been, but what's your most memorable moment, um, in the show ring or just horseback in general? Okay. So it's gotta be when I worked at medieval times because boy, was that an adventure. So it was K rock night. So we're talking all of the rockers town with the long hair. I, w- I lived in Hesh days. Okay, I'm an 80s girl, so I'm an age myself. So it was during that time. And I was probably 17, maybe 18. And I had to ride with the guard of the castle because one of the guys that normally rides didn't show up. And I had to put on his clothes. Well, I'm 5'10", you know, and I'm about 150, but I'm not 250 and 6'4". And that's the clothing I had to put on. So I put on this clothing. Well, it doesn't fit me. The helmet doesn't fit me. Nothing fits me. And I go out there with my little flag on my Andalusian, and we're going to do a quadrille. So we're out there doing our cantering back and forth by each other, kind of like a drill ride. And I remember my boss, (laughs) she goes, Christy, your helmet is slipping as I'm zooming by him at the canter. And I'm like, yeah, I know. And because back in the middle, he goes, you've got to get your helmet back in the middle because we had a nose plate. Now the nose plate's over by my right ear. So he goes, you've got to get your nose plate back in the middle. I said, okay. So I finally move my head. Well, the helmet comes flying off. It hits the butt of the horse. The horse bucks. I don't even know how I stayed on, but I stay on. And I had hair back then. We're talking hair down to my rear end. It comes tumbling out of this hat, and it's everywhere. And I'll never forget, we line up and we look up at the announcer and he goes, my lords and ladies, there appears that a woman has snuck into the guards of the castle. Maybe she's good for something backstage. And oh my gosh, the rocker crowd on K-Rock night totally exploded and I was very embarrassed. So there you go. There's my one of my moments. Oh my gosh, I love that. (laughs) You just painted the perfect visual of all of that unfolding. And it was before we had cell phones, so I don't even have a YouTube moment of it. I don't have anything of it, So, which is a bummer because that was (laughs) truly, truly funny. Very funny. Well, the story's still great, so (laughs) that's that's worth it for sure. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Do you have a most memorable moment in your equine career that you can share? Yes, I got to meet Patrick Swayze. What? Yeah. I got to meet Patrick Swayze when I worked for Arabians, and he owned Arabians at the time, and he was up in the patron's lounge, and I sold him $100 worth of Featherlight trailer raffle tickets for our youth programming. And he was so kind and so nice, invited me to sit down and have a drink with him, which I took him up on, and we just we had a really lovely little moment. So, yes, I think that was one of my most memorable experiences. You know, Dirty Dancing had just come out. So, of course, when I told people that I had met him, everyone's like, you did not. I'm oh like, yes, I God. did. So that was super fun. Super fun. 
Is he just as handsome in person as we imagine him from all his movies? Oh, he was. And it was so sad that we lost him so early in his life, right? Mm -hmm. Because not only handsome and gorgeous, but really nice guy, too. Very humble and down to earth. And I just really appreciated him. He was a very, very wonderful man. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. And he's in the horses. So we love that. What's not to like? That's right. Okay. Do you have a horse industry recommendation? It can be anything, anything you think our listeners might be interested in from products or different events you've gone to or um, some different like media outlets, just something that you love and you want to share with our crowd. You know, the two big to me um, events right now are still the equine affairs, the one in Ohio and the one in Massachusetts are just really good and really well put on. Um, I just a shout out to them. It's one of the ones that CHA goes to, even if we don't have a speaker there because just having a booth we can still sell enough of our manuals and memberships and things to always break even or make a profit on the marketing that we then do so those I would say those that um, both of those shows are really good now do you have a non-horse recommendation so anything that's not horse related which I know it can be a stretch sometimes but um, it could be a book it could be a tv show uh, dessert that you like literally anything under the I sun. love it I have two books that I want to recommend that are marketing books because of course I'm a marketing geek and nerd uh, one of them is Simon Sinek's Start with why. When you create a why statement for your business or your organization and it's different from a mission or a purpose, I think it just really elevates you. So an example of a why statement would be Nike's Just Do It, right? Just Do It is something that we know as Nike, but it could be for anything, couldn't it? But when you kind of take that kind of energy and you turn it into a positive statement, I just love that book. And then I like Blue Ocean Strategy. It's by Chan Kim and Renee Musgrave, and I think that that's also a really good book. It talks about how red oceans are filled with kind of a whole lot of the same stuff going on, whereas the blue ocean is maybe an idea that somebody hasn't had or a twist on the idea. So don't be afraid to do something different and unique on your journey. And then one other kind of overarching thing, I had too many for this, it was a great question, is I am such a believer in travel. I think everyone, if you have the opportunity, save your pennies, get on airplanes, or if you don't like airplanes, get in cars, or go on boats and see the world. When you go to different countries, you just get out of your little USA shell, and you just see other stuff. When you get out of your state, you get out of your state shell. When you get out of your city, you get out of your city shell, right? And I have been, I've been lucky enough, um, personally, to be able to go to places like Australia and Aruba. I have a bunch of family over in England, been to Mexico. And I think all of these things, I, I have two boys, and I love taking them with us. They're teenagers now. And I think that's really expanded their horizons, too. So I just am a true, true believer in travel. Great recommendations. I'm going to add those to my book list. I'm going to start buying plane tickets. <laughs> Christy told me. <laughs> Awesome. <laughs> the last thing that I have for you is we're going to play a game. We're going to play this or that, and it's just rapid fire. Um, you don't have to give any thought or reasoning behind what you choose. We're just going to go down the list. I've got about 15 questions. Most of them are horse related, and uh, you just pick one. You ready? I am. All right. Bays or sorrels? Bays. Western pleasure or hunter pleasure? Hunter pleasure. Barrel racing or jumping? Jumping. AQHA or APHA? Oh, you are me. I'm a professional horseman in both. <laughs> uh, both. That's a good answer. You can say both. That's perfect. <laughs> Do you believe that kids should start on a horse or should they start on a pony? A horse. 
And should they start English or should they start Western? English. And do you prefer if parents stay during lessons or do you prefer when they leave during lessons? Huh, that's funny. Um, I prefer when they go, but I think it's probably better for safety and other things if they stay. Good answer. Good answer. Do you prefer group lessons or private lessons? Uh, group. Now, here's another mean one. Ready? CSU or CU? Oh, you are bad. <laughs> okay, this is also really hard because my alma mater is CU, but I sit on the Equine Advisory Council for CSU. So I'm going to have to say both. See, again, you're killing me. Katie, you are good. You're killing me. Yes, both. I love it. That's, that's good. Both is good. All right, just a few more. Would you rather pick up a magazine or read an online article? Magazine. I like the paper. Amen. And uh, this, we're going to release this episode right around Thanksgiving. So if you had to be a pilgrim or would you rather be a Native American? Oh, I'd rather be a Native American and ride bareback with no bridle. Oh, yeah, with all the war paint and the beautiful, oh. All oh, the yeah, absolutely. Yes. And the feathers. Oh, yeah, all that. And then do you have ham or do you have turkey at Thanksgiving dinner? We have prime rib. Oh, uh, there you go. Option C. That sounds delicious. Fancy. And then do you have pumpkin pie or apple pie? Pumpkin pie. I'm such a sucker for a good pumpkin pie. Perfect. We did it. You played the game. You win. Well, that is everything that I have for you today. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. You are a voice that I think everyone in our audience needs to hear. And I think everyone's really going to enjoy going back and listening to your advice over and over and over. For anybody listening, you know, you are more than welcome to find me either at chainstructors.com or chain.horse is actually the website. Uh, you can also find me on Facebook at Christy Landwehr, and I love talking to people about their journey and things that they're doing and bounce ideas off of people that want to be entrepreneurs and be self-employed as I was for many years too. I mean, just anything like that. I just, I love doing that. So if anyone's ever interested, I'd be more than happy to help. Thanks for riding along. Know someone that would be great to interview? Have questions you'd like answered on the podcast? Send me an email at beyondthesaddlepodcast at gmail.com or join the conversation on social media. You can connect with us and learn more about the Beyond the Saddle podcast by following us on Facebook and Instagram at at Beyond the Saddle podcast. Find more episodes on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, and Stitcher. Beyond the Saddle is a production of the Equine Podcast Network, an entity of the Equine Network.